0: And so I want to pray as we get started. And we're going to find ourselves in the book of Nehemiah. I'm just going to stay in that particular book for the rest of our time. Father, thank you so much for this time, for this worship, for this building, for these people that you've put together. And Lord, as we are following you into a new place, a new movement, and what God, what you have called us to do, we pray today that this message uh, would help us. And for some here today who really need to make a decision to be a part of what you're calling them to, a personal relationship with you and a calling to a church family. I pray you make it clear to them. I pray that you will make it clear that this is the best decision they could make to give you a chance to lead their life. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So, as I mentioned, we are relaunching our church and our church has been here for over 35 years planted in this city, in this part of the city, and uh, we've been a part of a long-standing tradition here at this church, and we love this church with all our heart, and we actually want to be faithful uh, to the original mission that God has given us to reach this particular community. And this community looks and is much different than what it was when this church was planted. And so instead of trying to stick with just trying to reach certain people or Just kind of sticking to what we did, we decided that we were going to be about our city. And we were going to be about this part of town. And that's just going to spread, really, throughout the Tri-Cities and the Walla Walla Valley. Because we believe God is leading us to be a part of a new movement. For those who are familiar with the uh, history of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, then you know that the church started as a movement. How many of you know that about the church? started as a movement. And over time, as any any movement goes, you get institutionalized and becomes big, and that's great for mission, but you can often lose the heart of what it was for. That can happen in a relationship, that can happen in a marriage. You kinda get away from why you got together in the first place. And so we are a part of the new movement, which is the original movement to be a part of what God wants to do in our city and throughout the Washington state and who knows throughout the world the songs that will be sung the the things that will come from us and so we're looking forward to that September 22nd and we will be named our name will be different you will our our complete name will not no longer be the Ephesus church but it will be new movement and we're excited about it so I want to um, to talk about today is winning the night And the reason I want to talk about that is because the decision, I'm going to just kind of give you my message up front and we'll just talk through it. Um, Sometimes when you see something or someone who has been successful, you see a company, uh, maybe like uh, Amazon or Google or Apple, you see these big companies and you think, man, they're very successful. They're doing great things. Sometimes you think, that they have a certain advantage. Or, you know, if I if I would have started with this kind of resources, or if I went to that school, maybe my company would be that big, or maybe it's a team, whatever it is. You kind of look at success, you kinda look at it and say, Man, they had an advantage. Or maybe something was different for them than it was for me. And I think if I boil it down to a similarity in all of the things that we see in terms of people who are successful, however however you define success, there's really one common denominator in those, and that is somebody made a decision when it wasn't going good, right? There was a decision made in the dark before the success came, before everything that was great came, there was a decision when something was bad. There are some people who get handed something that was built, but for the most part, there has to be a decision When things look bad, when things are dark, when things are not going good, that's when someone makes a decision and then that decision sparks into their success. And that's really what an overcomer is, is a person who says, you know what, I don't want to be in this situation, I don't want to, I don't like what I'm seeing, so I'm going to make a decision to do something about it. Life doesn't just happen, things don't just come your way, and there are certain advantages that you may perceive people have, but they really don't. It really comes down to a decision. Now, I say that through the lens of of kind of this American culture. Like deep inside of us, we have this feeling like we can just, you know, do whatever we want to do and have opportunity. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the decision you make to say, I'm going to choose something better. And I'm not saying that we do that from ourselves. I'm actually saying the opposite. I'm saying we finally surrender and say, God, I want you to be the leader. God, I want you to be in charge. I want to hear what you have to say, and I'm going to follow according to that. So that's what I want to talk about, When the night. And I thought about something I thought was pretty pretty funny, and that was um, I thought about uh, growing up uh, as a kid to a single mom and kind of in those ages of about 10 to 13, um, I could only go outside at night. Right, because my mom was at work all day. So as soon as she got home, if I had everything done, I could go outside and I could be outside. And sometimes, depending on who I was with and where I was, I'd be outside pretty late at night. That's pretty insane. I mean, sometimes I remember coming home at 10, 11 o'clock at night as a 12-year-old kid. I don't know what was going on. I don't know what my mom was keeping me out the house for. No, I'm just saying she wasn't doing that. But I had to maximize every time I had because I had to be in the house all day long. Anybody ever grow like that? So when I was outside, right, I was playing ball. We were racing. And, you know, back in the day, didn't have an Apple Watch. Didn't have nothing like that. So the only way you knew when to come in the house, this is for some, some 80s people. How did you know when you had to come in the house? Street lights came on. That was it. And, I, and God forbid my mom come looking for me, because that was going to be trouble. And so in the daytime, I had to spend a lot of my time watching TV. Now, this might not be for everybody, but I grew up as an 80s baby. Grew up in the 80s, and uh, I had to watch TV. And I liked watching TV, actually. There was some, what I liked about TV was I liked the theme songs that came on the show's. So I want to illustrate something. I want to do a little TV '80s TV show pop quiz. Okay, do a little pop quiz, and uh, I want I want to ask you if you know any of these shows that I grew up listening to. So I'm going to sing the theme song, and I want you to guess what show it's from. Can you do that? It's going to be good. Now, some of you probably think you'll do really good at this. Maybe okay. I know she'll be good at this because. I probably sing eighty songs all the time, especially TV shows. All right, here we go, here's the first one. Tell me what this is. <laughs> show me that smile again. Oh man, somebody hit the, hit the part. Don't waste another minute. Who is that? What's the show? Come on, Growing Pains. That's Growing Pains, okay what will we do baby without us what will we do baby oh come on what's that one 80s babies come on nobody that's family ties come on y'all okay we will work on this we're work on this this is not 70s this is 80s trust me Now the world won't move. Peter, just one drum. That's an easy one. What's that? Different strokes. You know what? Y'all need to get Hulu, okay? Y'all need to go back and watch this stuff. I'm serious. Okay. What's this one? Just some good old boys. Never meaning no harm. How come y'all know that show? I'm just saying racial tension. No, I'm just teasing. Um, I like Dukes of Hazard. It had nothing to do with Daisy, okay? I was too young for that. My dream car is a General Lee, by the way. I do want a General Lee for my dream car. Thank you for being a friend. Alright, see, my kids know that one. Alright, what about, <laughs> that's too easy. That's too easy. Uh, okay, here's the other one. What about this one? Say we're moving on up. If you don't know that and you black, I'm taking your black card. That was church when that came on. You thought you was at church when that came on. So I got one more. Um, what was the last one I wanted to do? Oh, uh, oh I was going to give you a hard one because I didn't think you'd, you'd know. That. Oh, this is easy. Everybody should know this one. Making the way in the world today takes everything you got. <laughs> Come on. Cheers. Cheers. That's easy. Okay, y'all do that. Well, there was a show that when I was a kid um, that I loved. And it was kind of an odd show. And I think I should have a picture of it. I love the show In the Heat of the Night. In the heat of the night. I love that. you ever seen this show? Now, this show was actually a series that was created from a very uh, a, a, a movie that was an epic movie yeah. and it was actually from the movie In the Heat of the Night starred by my favorite actor the same actor that was in the movie uh, as, as you see right there but my favorite actor in the world was Sidney Portier. Sidney Portier was my favorite actor as a kid and, and still now and so the movie In the Heat of the Night there's a picture of that for you uh, 1967 film. Now, what was interesting about Sidney Poitier was two. There was two things that he did that was very interesting. So, one was uh, he was the first. Uh, this he was a part of the first interracial kiss on film. Film called Guess Who's Coming Together. Ah, I'm an old school movie buff. Um, and so, in this movie, he played a police officer and he was investigating this crime. And uh, if you go to this next picture. There was this is a part of the scene that was called the slap heard all across the world. Now, in this scene, he comes up to question this kind of older, you know, racist person, and he's questioning him. And this person doesn't like the questions. He's very dignified in his response, and he pushes too many buttons, and this and he's with the presence of another officer, and this man backhand Sidney Portier Slap. Now, without hesitation, right? Without even thinking about it, Sidney Portier slaps him right back. Wow. And let me tell you something. This was shocking, okay? This was groundbreakingly shocking. And I'm going to tell you a couple reasons why, but I got one main point why. And that's because this was 1967. Now, how many of you lived in 1967? Go ahead, be, just be, okay, don't be ashamed of that. How many of you were living in an age of consciousness in 1967? Najan was living in 1967. Um, there was a lot going on in 1967. And, and the world was experiencing a sense of darkness. And one of my heroes lived in 1967. And that was the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And in 1967 was a very pivotal moment for his uh, leadership because he had just announced earlier that year that he was not in support of the Vietnam War. How many of you remember that? Now, we see Martin Luther King on the poster and we see all that stuff. But many of us who did not live during that time and do not have this kind of romance story of him know that Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was under major opposition in 1967. Speaking out against the war was almost treason because Lyndon Johnson, the president at the time, was the one who helped you know, sign the Civil Rights Act. But he was going against him and was vocal about not him not seeking re-election. So all of the allies that he had working in the civil rights movement had now abandoned him because he was against the Vietnam War. People told him stuff about, why don't you just stick with civil rights? If anybody knows who Dr. King was about, he wasn't just about civil rights. He was about equality for all people. And so this struggle for him was in very, very dark days, and historians and biographies will tell you how depressed he was and how irritable he was and how the stress of this movement was beginning to hurt him because you do know that Dr. King was a part of leading a movement. Yeah. And all of us know, well, maybe not all of us. Yes, we do. I take that back. All of us, even especially currently, have seen... A movement, most recently Me Too movement, right? Black Lives Matter movement, and we see what people feel like enough is enough, and I want to bring resistance. So, in this book I have, I'm reading for for class, um, I was it was interesting how this popped out to me in preparation for this. Had some interesting quotes talking about Dr. King during this time. I want to show you some quotes from the book that are very interesting. And I don't think I can read it from here, but I have to come down a little bit. Okay. In reflection of his leadership during 1967, it says to Dr. King about him, uh, that there is nothing to be afraid of if you believe and know that the cause for which you stand is right. Let that soak in for a second. Because there are some things in your life, right, that you are the change agent for. You are the leader of that movement. Some of you are the first person in your... Family to ever go to college. Some of you, are the first pers- person in your family to have a healthy marriage, or whatever it is, and you're, there's something that you're leading. Maybe you're you're saying, "I don't want alcohol or, or drugs as a part of my family. I want something different." And so, all of us may be on a case or a cause where we're we're leading something, or we're changing the trajectory of what we're of what's important to us. So, if you're going to do that and you know it's right, there's no reason for you to be afraid. Isn't it interesting how a man that stood for peace and a man that stood for justice, that was educated, brilliant, could just take a brick upside his head and keep going? I mean, that's the christ esque of of him in the sense that Jesus was the same uh, as really the ultimate example of this, of someone who is standing for the cause of the redemption of, of humanity and says, here's my life, I lay it down for this cause. It's nothing to be afraid of, though. Here's another uh, quote. Whenever you set out to build a temple, you must face the fact that there is a tension at the heart of the universe between good and evil. I thought that was interesting because it's not a Christian book. But there's a sense of tension between what's good and what's evil, what's wrong and what's right. And we experience that in our everyday life. Every single day, we got to decide, are we going to overcome Are we going to let it go? Right? Like every moment is a challenge. Are you going to do that or not? Are you going to stick with that or not? Are you going to believe that or not? Are you going to accept it or not? And all of us may not have different things of what's right and wrong, but we all sense what's good and evil. We all know when something is not right or someone's trying to harm us. And so when you're building something, uh, you have to be aware of that, that there's a tension between something evil and something good. And you gotta decide, am I going to fight through that tension? Or am I gonna resist? Or I'm just gonna go along to get along, right? Am I gonna write that shocking scene in the film? Or am I gonna leave it out? In 1967. Not 1987. But in the middle of the chaos, in the middle, am I gonna do something that nobody's ever seen before? Last one. Uh, Donald T. Phillips writes, Your job is is too great. This is what spoke to me today. Your job is too great and the days are too bright to be, I can't read it from here. Okay, there it is. (laughs) These glasses help me up close, but not very far. Your job is too great and these days are too bright to be bickering in the darkness of jealousy, demanding competition, and internal ego struggles. Bickering darkness of jealousy. I wish I had this. Well, if I was this color, I'd have this opportunity. Or if I lived on this side of town, this would have been better for me. Or my mama didn't do this to me, or they hadn't said that about me, or if our church was in a different part of town, we might, right? No jealousy, no competition, and no internal struggle of ego, unsure, unclear, and trying to protect this image of myself. That says, this is who I want the world to see me as, but this is who I really am. What I love that quote is saying is your job is too great. Yeah. The mission God has called you to is too great for you to be stuck on that. My favorite word, stuck on stupid, right? You got too much to do to be stuck on stupid, right? So when we look at this text, I'm going to take you to Nehemiah. And uh, this is where the sermon comes from in, in the book of Nehemiah in chapter 2. And I have it up, and we'll just read it through uh, 8 verses, 11 through uh, 8. So Nehemiah, as I, I picked up from my last uh, part of the first part of this series, Nehemiah is going back home to rebuild his people, to rebuild a nation, much like what we're doing as we're relaunching, as we're rebuilding our movement. He's going back. He's got permission now. Now he's coming back to Jerusalem. So here's where we are. Verse 11, chapter 2. So I arrived in Jerusalem. Good point. (laughs) Now, I don't, sometimes, you know, you you read something and then you kind of skip over it. But just look at that. Because he made a decision back there to show up and do something about it. And he arrived. Because I'm glad that all of you arrived today. Right? You were thinking about it, and you actually arrived. Because sometimes when you think about it, you don't actually arrive. Right? I was planning on showing up, but something happened. But he arrived. This is not in my notes. Can I just ask you something? Because I'm learning this. So I was, in, I was in school this week, last week and I learned this, this something that they, oh, maybe I didn't announce it to the church, did I announce it to the church, I am so sorry, Um, let me give God praise for this, you guys can edit this out if you want later, Um, I just began my doctoral program at Seattle University, (laughs) last week, I I am sorry, I, I praise God for that, it's such a monumental moment, it wasn't that I was trying to hide it or anything, it just was almost unbelievable, like I had to Get on campus to be like, wow, this is really happening. So I just spent ten days in Seattle um, beginning that program. So that's where, that's where I was, and I praise God for this. It's such a monumental moment for me. So you, are, I promise you won't have to call me Dr. Taylor if you don't want to in four years. Um, so what was I talking about? I don't Oh yes, thank you. See, like, how are you gonna be a Dr. Taylor with ADD? That's right. I'm doing it for people with ADD. Shout out ADD. Rettling in the house. Not really, though. <laughs> all that TV, right? Watch your TV all day. That's why you got that ADD. No, just <laughs> so, so. So what of the things they were, maybe it's true, I don't know. One of the things that they've asked, they would tell us, was they would say, when we came to class, because it was intense, right? All day class, nine to five, every day. So they, they would say, allow yourself to arrive here. And I was first and I was like, okay, I'm here. Like, are they not wanting me to be here? Like, what's the deal? But what they meant was allow yourself to be present. And I've been asking my question. I am I'm here. But have I arrived? Cuz you can see like when I'm preaching sometimes or when Becky's singing, you can tell that some people have not arrived. I don't know what you're what they're staring at or looking at or what is happening but it's just like a a lost in space look. Just kind of a robot zombie look. You know, just stand, sit, give, sing. Stand, sit, give, sing. Like a Disney movie, you know, March. Right? Because sometimes we come, but we haven't arrived. Or maybe the fake person that we think we need to be when we come to church, that person arrives. Oh, happy Sabbath. Glory to God. biggest black Bible in the world. Happy Sabbath. So they go, I can't stand that pastor. I can't stand that church. You know what he's at? Y'all don't do this here. <laughs> I know you don't. But he arrived in Jerusalem. He showed up. Showed up with his plan, with his vision, with his dream. So this is what I love too. Three days later. Like you can preach that. You can preach this. Can I, can I preach that? This was This was in my notes. I don't want to skip over. He arrived in Jerusalem. But it was three days before he started to do something. Right? Had a plan, but he waited three days. Sometimes, talking about overcoming, I'm just going to testify for people who can get a little temperate sometimes. You don't always give yourself that space, right, to respond. Like you show up and it's time to handle business. He, dis, he didn't show up like, hey, I'm here. I got something to do. Let's read what he did. Let's read what he did. Three days later, the Bible says, three days later, he I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. So he's there for a few days. He's saying hi. He's visiting. He doesn't tell anybody what he's doing. I had not told anyone about the plans God put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the uh, jackal's well, and over to the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burn gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. So though it was still dark, I went to the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again to the valley gate. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let's rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them, about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began doing the good work. Did you see what happened there? Did you see the emphasis I put there? When he gets there, he hangs out for a while. And then he says, when it was, verse verse 12 was, during the what? Night. I slipped out. And over and over again, this is detailed. He's always reminding us it was at night. It was dark. He so said, I hit an obstacle. My donkey couldn't get through, but it was dark. It was night. I went out at night. I waited three days when I got there, but then I went out at night. Now, here's, here's, a, here's a question for some of you engineers in the, in the room. If you're going to expect uh, malfunction and a wall. Why would you go at night? Does that make sense, engineers? You want to go in the daytime, right? Who's gonna? Hey man, can you fix my car? Yeah, I change your oil. Drop it off about twelve o'clock at night. I'm gonna work on it. How you gonna change my oil in the dark? Just drop it off. I said, right? Nobody does that in dark. Hey, could you give me a hair? Could you do my hair? Oh sure. You want some color? Yeah. Okay. Turn off the light. Click. Are like, ah, oh. no, you're not coloring my hair in the dark. It's gonna look good, girl. No, it won't. Why, why, why at night? So he slips out at night. He does his surveying at night. He does his work at night. Is anybody aware, at least spiritually, that we're living in the night? Right, socially, politically, everything. We're kind of in the dark. Even spiritually, it's kind of nighttime. And now as believers, we believe in the second coming of Jesus. And Jesus is going to come and he's going to fix it after a while. And it's going to be this great getting up morning and all that church stuff. But what happens between that day and now? Do we just prepare ourselves to just be ready? And then when he comes, we're good? Or, or is there some work to do in the night? Is there some work that needs to be done in rebuilding when everything doesn't look good? And that's really the heart of what this relaunch is, is that we have seen that we are in trouble. And I'm not talking about we, I'm talking about we. You know, the big we, the community that's now, In other words, everybody who's we is everybody who's not me. And so we have decided as a church that it's not good enough for us to come here, sing, hear some preaching, and go home. We're not satisfied. I mean, you're a beautiful people, but we're tired of looking at you. You know what I'm saying by that, right? Like if, if this is the place for you to have your one day and hour of light, there's a problem. If you're in the dark all week and you just come for a couple of days of light and go back, you, you don't know how to live in the dark. And what I love about Nehemiah is he says, I got to go around the wall and the broken pieces and I've got to it, inspect it in the night. I've got to know how to navigate in the dark. I got to know how to get around in the dark because if I can get around in the dark, I can cruise in the day. See, he know knew by looking at the wall, this is going to be a big problem. We're in trouble. He knows we're going to have to do this and it's going to take work night and day. And if we can get good at night, then we can we can do a whole bunch in the day. Here's the narrative that needs that we're switching as a church. We're not teaching you How to be good in the daytime. Here's how you be a good Christian at church. Here's what to wear. Here's what to eat. Here's what to do. Here's what to believe. Here's what to know. Take about 20 years. Figure that out. And you'll be a great Adventist. Are we going to see you during the week? Probably not. But as long as you're here at 930 and you can kill it. Turn in the tide. We're good. We're not doing that. We're teaching, how do I survive Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, rest, Sunday? Like, how does this work in the dark? And I'm, I, I'm 100% confident in, in Jesus who gives us the strength to live and to operate in the dark. And that's why, that's why we're launching this. That's why we're doing this. We're doing this because we're making a decision. We're going to be an overcomer. We're going to say, wow, it doesn't look the way it should. We're not going to be, we're not going to be satisfied with that. There are people who look, especially at this side of town, and we're not we're not limited to this side of town. But this side of town is just something that we're drawn to because we were born here. But also the fact that when people look at this side of town, people aren't looking and seeing it from the eyes of a lot of promise. Right? It's not like, oh, I can't wait to move to the east side. That, that's, not, that's not in people's minds and hearts. But we're here. And what about the people that are here? And what about the people in our lives who need somewhere that they can go to be refreshed, to be, to be equipped on how to live in the dark? So I want to give you three short things. And I'm going to ask Keith to come and he plays these pretty pads. And anytime there's like music in the background, you just sound really deep and really spiritual. No, I'm just playing, but it does help. But it also helps you know that I'm about to be done preaching, which is good for people who aren't used to church. They need to know, okay, is he gonna be done now? Because it's already like 2.10. I thought it was gonna be not done in an hour, so I'm gonna finish right now. I'm gonna give you some some things to think about. And I want you to think about it because as a church, uh, we're trying to win the night, right? Where we're trying to grow it do it with whoever we have and whatever we're not going to wait for some perfect season for some magical person to walk in the door and solve all our problems we have everything we need and we're going to leave this house and prepare it for people who need to have refuge and need to have peace and need to experience Sabbath and need to have joy and need to know that they can overcome and so if they can know they overcome, guess where it starts? It starts with you overcoming. Right? Like, I'm serious. We're going to have struggles. I get that. I get that. We all have stuff to work through. But at some point in your life, you got to overcome that thing. You just got to overcome it. That's And you know what it is? It's a decision while it's dark. It's not if I had this, if my man knew this, and if I had more money, and if my health was better, and if somebody would have helped me out, and if if I wasn't in this condition, and I did No, if if you decide now, in the dark, things improve while it's dark. Because when we wait for the light, and it's like, oh, we did it ourselves. I'm, I'm just dissatisfied I'm not satisfied okay here's the thing you got to choose right it's your choice it's your choice but at some point if if and I'm not I'm not saying this well I'm just gonna say it at some point if you're peeing in a bed and you're old enough to wash your own sheets you're gonna wash your own sheets like if you want to lay in all that pee and stuff then go ahead you want to be nasty and smell like pee pee on yourself you wash do it you but you're washing your clothes and you, and you know what I'm saying? You're going to sleep on that yellow mattress, and I ain't buying you another mattress till you learn how to get up and go to the bathroom or stop drinking water for you go to bed, whatever it is. But at some point, like, a grown man in diapers ain't going to work. Now, I understand that there's some people who are all in different walks of our faith, but, but you've got to catch this sense of, if I've got a connection and I've got a way to get to God, man, like, I don't want to keep that to myself. You just got to overcome got to just forgive. You got to just move on. You got to just say, I'm in this and I'm in it. Here's something I learned from the, from the passage. She put it up there. Here's what I love about it. People don't always need to know what you're doing. That's what he did. He said, I ain't bringing everybody with me on this. Here's the thing. Not everybody is going to be able to be a part of us right now. Not everybody's going to be able to do this part. They're going to have to step back and say, uh, I'm going to wait until it gets to a certain point, then I'll come back. And that's fine. That's okay. Not everybody's going to be a part of this early season. Right? That's okay. But you know what I love? Uh, you know, growing up in the hood, you can get a sense of when somebody's going to fight. Anybody kind of got that sixth sense? And one of those things that somebody would say when they get ready to fight is, I'm done talking. Right? You ever hear everybody say that? You're like, oh, shoot. Not even about the fight. I'm done talking about it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Because I I hear it in our leadership team. It's kind of this, we're done talking about this, right? Like, we don't need any more meetings. We don't, let's do it. Like, when are we going to do it? Let's do it. We're doing it, right? So some people don't, you know, have to know what you're doing. Just love them. Just be a part of their life. You know, we don't have to tell everybody, well, we're going to do that. We're just going to do it. And if it's just a few of us, we got it. We got everything we need. Here's another thing I learned from it. Um, I love at the end of that passage you read, said that he sold the vision, he told them, and then the Bible said that they begun to do the good work. I think that's what we're focusing on. First of all, we're going to begin. Because that's that's work in and of itself, right? Just to get started. Just to say, ah, we're going to talk about it. No, we're going to get started. And then to do the good work. Not the work. That's not going to lead to anything, but the work that's going to lead to what God wants to lead to. So I also want to encourage you. And this is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to win the night. We're trying to navigate through this. And as a church, you hear us talking about going to growth track. You're talking about joining the team and being a part of the launch team. And, and I'm grateful for some of you. Man, you are you are just going all in. Like, like I gotta pick on Charles. Like Charles is making me nervous. Charles calls me every day, man. He's like, hey, do you have this for me? I'm like, dang, I better get this done. Like, Charles is on it. And he's he's taking something, and he loves it, and he's embraced it, and he's running with it. And there's other people who are calling, Pastor, we need this. And they're running for him. I'm surprised. I'm seeing stuff happening. I'm like, you know what? Praise God. We see the vision. Let's get started. Let's do it. Let's win. And I'm encouraged. So I'm praying for some of you who still need a little help to get on the train, right? Still need a little bit of a push to get on and maybe you take a little time and that's fine but this is the time for us to work it's not going to be September 22nd and all of a sudden everything's going to be all good right we start now, we pray now we give now, we work now we pray now we serve now and we are becoming what we want to become in the dark because one of these days you're not going to find a parking space Somebody, come on, give me a high five. Can I get a high five on that? For real, for real. real. Like one day, you ain't gonna be able to sit in your favorite seat. In fact, next week, you have a challenge. Don't sit in the same seat you sit in next week. Sit in another seat. Get used to being in another seat. And in one week, you might have to stand. Because you gotta get used to standing the whole time. Because you're gonna be serving and not sitting. So one day, you won't have any place to, to park. One day... This is going to be like the youth chapel. One day, uh, you'll have a campus pastor here, and we'll have three or four campuses. One day, the, it'll be crazy in here. Amen. You know why? Because we just started in the dark. Amen. We decided to win the night. So I want to pray for somebody today. Maybe it's you. Maybe we just bow our hands, close our eyes, just say, God, I need to overcome need to make it through. Sometimes the night keeps coming back to you, the same thing you need to forgive, the same person you need to to let go of, and God keeps bringing it back to you, and he says, you know what, just give me me permission to lead on this, and I'll help you overcome. Because we can't overcome in our own strength. We can't do anything in our own strength. We need Jesus to overcome. And the good news is that God wants you to overcome. He wants more for you really want for yourself. So I want to pray today. I want to pray for someone. And I want to pray strength into them. I want to pray courage. I want to pray life into them. I want to pray everything that they need to let them believe that you want them to be an overcomer. So let's pray. Father God, I just pray today. Pray for every person under the sound of my voice. that strength. would come into their heart now, that they would know that, God, you want more for them. They were made for more. You want them to live in overflow. You want them to be a part of this movement, a movement that says, God is for us. No one can be against us. And I pray today for healing. I pray today for forgiveness. I pray today that you would just lift and change the hearts of your people so they might know that you've chosen person in this room is important to the mission. And Lord, we're grateful for the chances that you give us, for the love that you give us. You don't give up on us. God, give us the strength to not give up on ourselves. So today we celebrate. Celebrate what you're doing in our life, what you're doing in our church, what you're doing with our people. We pray that you'll give us hope and strength. For those who today may be making the decision to let you leave for the first time, I pray that they will accept gift of salvation that you offer and the spirit of God that you offer to go alongside of them and even now they would begin to walk in the newness of life and they would find that this might be the place for them to live out their days in the earth we love you we thank you in Jesus name amen hey if we're winners are we gonna win tonight can we just celebrate praise God Amen.